Now in its third year, it's a yank on the footy with Craig Wessels talking about the greatest game on the face of the earth. Sit back and enjoy, everybody. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 140 of A Yank on the Footy. I'm Craig Wessels coming to you from Windy, Sandusky, Ohio. Thanks for checking out the podcast. I'm glad that you're here. In this episode, we continue our 2022 AFL preview episodes. Now, I have to admit, this is my second preview episode with the Melbourne Demons, and I'm sitting down with longtime Melbourne supporter Katrina Oxley. But, hey, you win a premiership, you get a second preview episode. So, really glad to talk to Katrina, somebody I've uh, engaged with quite a bit on Twitter over the last couple of years and was absolutely a blast to be able to sit down and talk with her uh, about her beloved uh, D's going forward here into 2022. Don't forget that you can find absolutely everything related to the podcast over at my website, ayankonthefooty.com. I do hope you'll consider checking it out. You can leave me a voicemail there. You can share your views on an issue from a previous round. You can get on the mailing list. And again, I do hope you'll consider signing up for the mailing list because when a new episode comes out, that's the first place that it goes. I publish it. The uh, the podcast will migrate out to the social media platforms on it, on their own. But the first place that I actually send it to is to my group that's on my email list. And that's about 75 people strong right now. So I'd love to add your name to it. So if you go over to my website, you can click on the listener tools and sign up there. And, uh, you know, I'm not bombarding you with all sorts of emails or anything of that nature. But uh sure would appreciate the uh, you know, if you'd consider doing that. And if you're also interested in coming on the podcast as a guest, if you've got a unique, interesting story about the game, I would love to talk to you. So by all means, head on over there and you know, click on the register as a guest button. Uh, drop me an email at yankonthefootygmail.com or shoot me a note over on Remind, um, or I'm sorry, on Twitter. Remind, that's the app I use with my students at school. We're certainly not using that one. Uh, if you'd like to help out the show, you can click on the Buy Me a Coffee button in the bottom left-hand corner. And if you're interested in any podcast gear, you can click on the store page up at the top and go to my Redbubble page there, and you might uh, find something you like there. I do have uh, some new designs that should be coming out here fairly soon. Uh, somebody has been very generous with their uh, their efforts uh, recently to help with that, and I'm, I'm looking forward to uh, bringing those to you when the opportunity is right. So sit back and enjoy my discussion with Kat Oxley and uh, our talk about the Melbourne Demons. All right, ladies and gentlemen, my guest is a 37-year member of the Melbourne Demons. She's a Foundation AFLW member, a member of the Demon Squad Cheer Squad, and also on the Ruby Demons Committee, I'd like to welcome, welcome, I'll try that in English, Katrina Oxley to the podcast. Katrina, thanks for coming on. We kind of worked our schedule around a little bit and got you on here a little earlier than we were scheduled to, and I appreciate you doing that. I might get to bed a little earlier tonight. Not a problem, Craig. Lovely to meet you. It's great to meet you, too. We've traded messages for, you know, quite a you know, few months, if not years, on Twitter, over, you know, talking footy, and, uh, and, you know, you got great insight into the game. First question I, I'm going to ask you as a D supporter, and I asked this same question to somebody that I spoke to recently as well. Have you had a chance to touch the cup yet? Yes. Okay. I have. <laughs> okay. 
and and and, <laughs> and, and how was that? Uh, the first time was so emotional. I took my nephews along to the um, um, the MCG Sports mm-hmm. Museum um, when it first opened up. That was before the um, September 11, uh, December the 11th, uh, December the 5th, I should say, uh, Celebration Day. I took my two nephews along okay. and I was actually quite surprised at how emotional I got. And we spent about a good 10 minutes with the cup, posing with different photos. I got to hug the cup all that kind of stuff and the second time was um we had an after party at the london tavern in richmond after the december the fifth day and the premiership cup made an appearance there so i spent some time with it and i'd actually printed up a poster of my dad who passed away a couple of years ago and so i got managed to get a photo of a a3 size poster of dad next to the cup as well because i think terrific deserve to be with photograph with a cup as well so terrific that's, that's great moment, so. that, that's fantastic so what's it been like as a is you know what's the summer been like as a supporter who uh you know has finally got a a premiership that they can i don't want to say brag about but be happy about i think yeah i don't know if too many melbourne supporters have been bragging about it per se i think um I think quite a few are still in the state of shock. It actually happened. I don't. If you had have asked me this time last year, uh, if if Melbourne were going to be close to winning the grand, I would have been happy for Melbourne to make the eight last year. Um, they went beyond any of our expectations and winning the premiership, and uh, and it was a bit unexpected um, last year. I have to say, even like even throughout this season, as it got as the season was progressing, and um, and it didn't look like that Melbourne was letting up. Mm-hmm. at all and I think we we're just pinching ourselves and thinking yeah, we're just waiting for the bottom to drop out because after you know I've been barracking for Melbourne all my life I'm 51 years old and it was a very strange summer when you realize that you didn't it was the first time in my life I didn't finish a football season saying oh well next year it actually <laughs> happened there you uh, go. and um i think more than anything not being laughed at for barracking for melbourne was probably a big thing um and having people who would normally uh be joking around melbourne saying who are not melbourne supporters saying to you i'm so happy melbourne won and that was actually quite a lovely thing as well i've even had collingwood supporters say that to me hmm. which uh, and i've seen there thinking aren't you hang on a second you're collingwood aren't you meant to hate us but, um, <laughs> it's been um, really pleasant um, and really, yeah, and at, at times it, 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 it's, there are still times now, it's now February and it still doesn't feel real. Yeah. If that, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so well, real and exciting is probably the best way to describe it. Let's be honest, in, in about a month from when we're talking, the first time they head out on the ground, I believe the term is going to be defending premieres. Yes. So get used premieres. get used to it or reigning premieres. Yes, get yeah, used to it. Premieres, yeah. <laughs> yes. And I, I'm really looking forward. I've you know in my first time in my life, I'm going to be going to around one match where they're unfurling the premiership flag. I'd never seen that before in my life, mm-hmm. and I'm really excited. And I know there's you know there's going to be a lot of tears that night. I was saying to my brother. I remember saying to my brother on grand final, whichever whatever happens, there's going to be tears tonight, mm-hmm. and there were. <laughs> yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I, I've, you know, I'm, I'm a, uh, I'm a Cleveland sports fan and uh, let's see, I'm 58. Um, the last time the, the baseball team here, they've changed, they changed names this year. They, they were the Cleveland Indians for 
you know, over a century, they've changed the Cleveland Guardians beginning in this in 2022. The last time they won the World Series, my mom was six years old. She'll be eight. She'll be 80 this year. Um, the last time the Browns won a championship in the NFL, I was a year old, the same year that the D's last won, 1964. And the Cavaliers had never won the basketball team until 2016. So I've gone through, you know, over a half century with one team having won. And when the, and I'm not a huge basketball fan, mm. but when they won, I, the, the tears were there as well. And my daughter couldn't understand it. And I just said, you're not going to get it. I don't, I don't know what to tell you. It's uh, it is what it is. You know, one thing I've actually found is that quite a few of the American fans that I've spoken to on Twitter or on social media, mm -hmm. a lot of them seem to follow the Cleveland Browns. It's, uh, you know, it, it and is, it says that sense of romance about um, the NRL with, you know, because Cleveland has obviously not won a championship for a long, long time, like Melbourne haven't. Yeah. So I can definitely understand that sense of feeling and that, uh, you know, it, and it does feel kind of in some way sentimental. Oh, it's, it does. And I, you know, it, and they, they, they kind of fell apart this year. Um, you know, they had, they had a lot of injuries. We're, we're not going to talk well. about the, yeah, but uh, you know, it is what it is. You know, they, uh, hopefully next year they'll be improved. You know, I'm not going to be so optimistic as to say things are going to go well because there's a lot of good teams out there. So yeah. what's the uh, most bizarre premiership souvenir you've picked up uh i'll i'll, I'll spend about fifteen hundred dollars on premiership merchandise so you so you're unofficially a geelong supporter there i see she's brown and got gold uh, gold eyes so if anything she's yeah. probably she's yeah. a um <laughs> She, ah, the most bizarre merchandise I've bought. Um, um, I've been really conventional. Um, I wouldn't say I've gone overboard with some of the things that I've bought. I've bought, I've bought what, four T-shirts. I've got three hats, um, including a beanie, a cap, and a sun hat. Um, mm -hmm. Most bizarre. Probably a little replica metal that's only about uh, that the size of a 20 cent piece uh, which is designed as a pin and it was not expensive it was only about 24 dollars I bought that at the demon shop okay um, I can't say that I've bought anything okay too outlandishly stupid I've heard of people spending like heaps on like a replica cup and all that yeah. kind of stuff to me that's insane um, <laughs> I, I think I've been fairly sensible to be okay. honest okay that's all right so you you you've gone for you've gone for quantity in a way rather than unique yeah. quality. Okay, that's yeah, a, that's a, a, a lot of like smaller price stuff. I did mm -hmm. buy a little a replica, tiny little replica key ring. Okay, <laughs> which again was only about twenty dollars, but the little badge on it that said Melbourne twenty twenty one has come off it, and I found it a week later in my handbag, which and so I've got to actually. Um, Glue it back on. Uh, I've got to find some super glue actually. And okay. Glue it on okay. So, you know, before we dive in and talk about the club, you know, you mentioned uh, that you are also a school teacher. I am, I'm as well. I, you know, you, you're at the high school level, correct? I'm high school, yes. Okay. So am I. Yeah. I, te I teach oh, mostly. It's a bit different in Australia to how they are in America. They go from about, oh, yes, or what you would call seventh grade. Mm hmm. 
um, up to 12th grade. Yeah. Which is, uh, or what, what we call VCE year 12 level. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I have, I have predominantly 16, 17 year olds in my classes. Yeah. yeah. I'm teaching year sevens all the way up to year 12. Okay. All year, all six year levels. So how, how is, uh, how's teaching been there over the last couple of years? Cause it's had to uh, be a bit of a challenge. Yeah. Um, well, we had two years of lockdown because we, um, I, I, this is my only my third year teaching at my current school. I moved back to Melbourne um, right, you know, the summer before the pandemic started. Okay. So in January, January 2020, I moved back to Melbourne after a few years living in the country in Victoria. Um, and so I've, I'm, I'm looking forward to having a whole year. I haven't had a term because we, we have our school years broke up into four 10-week terms uh, and there's two terms per semester in Australia. Um, so I haven't had a term that hasn't been interrupted with any kind of lockdown. So I'm looking forward to even having a term without lockdown, but going throughout the whole year without going, because I teach mm-hmm. really practical subjects like media. Um, but I was actually, uh, so, you know, being able to teach those kind of subjects remotely, particularly with year 12, when they've got to finish off their major media projects, um, and that makes up 40% of their study score, that makes it really, really hard to yeah. teach that. And, it puts a, um, lot of, puts a lot of pressure on you to be able to do that effectively from, yeah. from long distance. I had one girl, I mean, I had an, an, an I, I teach at a school also, there's extra challenges at our school because about 93% of our kids come from non-English speaking background. So wow. we've, got 18, we've got 1,800 kids at our school. It's a big school by Australian terms. Mm-hmm. And um, 25% of our kids are refugees. And so there's quite a cultural mix. So having to cater for those kind of learning needs as well, um, it just adds extra complexities to it. There's yeah. one, there was one girl in my um, grade last year that um, got a really, she got a study score that was, two marks off getting her name in the paper and um, she worked her butt off. Okay. So I was just so proud of her. And, and is yeah. that, has that paid off for her then, you know, as far as, you know, her scholastic career after high school then? Yeah. From, yeah. From what I understand, she got her first preference for her uni, uni offers. So that was really good to hear for that. Terrific. Yeah. Terrific. Yeah. It's uh yeah. Our school is not quite as, as big. We have about, 700 kids from grades nine through 12 yeah so it's not it's not as big as yours um but you know we have we have a situation where the kids can just in our building between the college level courses that we offer at our school and then the uh like the advanced placement courses they could get around 70 70 credit hours of, of college done in high school if they if they took all of them you know so they could get a yeah, good jump start on college i'd be i'll be i'm that's one thing I really want to do is have a look at what the American, um, you know, the, the um, academic systems in the schools are over there because they seem very, very different to ours. <laughs> I think so. I think so. I actually, I talked to somebody not long ago who um, was from, is, is, is Australian, but came here, spent a year here as an exchange student uh, in right. Texas, in Texas many years ago. Now I, I was an exchange student, uh, way back in 1981, uh, went to Brazil, um, didn't speak a word of Portuguese. I, I studied, Ger- I took three years of German in high school. So I guess they wanted me to look for old Nazis or something down there uh, after, after the war or something. I don't have a clue, but you know, I, I wasn't there during the school year. So I just did a lot of touring it when I was there, but uh, yeah, it's, 
you know, we, we have four nine week quarters during our school year that are broken into semesters. But then my, my nieces where they went to school in the state of Michigan, they had, they were on what they called trimesters that were three 12 week ones. Wow. Yeah, yeah. So they had, they had, you know, they had, they would have a, like a, um, a math course would cover two of those three trimesters. So they would do a year long course in 24 weeks and they would yeah, have wow. another one that overlapped and that sort of thing as well. So, yep. So, we're here to talk about the D's a little bit as well. Figure that's what we should we should probably do since uh, oh, you know. I, on that. <laughs> I haven't I haven't started my second podcast yet, but and if I do, it's not going to be about education. I I have some <laughs> I have some ideas though. Um, but uh, can anybody stop Melbourne this year? Um. Bulldogs probably, maybe, you know, they might learn a few lessons from the grand final, maybe. Um, I'm not convinced about Port Adelaide yet, um, mainly because with the wins that they had last year, there weren't too many wins against some of the top eight teams and they mm -hmm. lost quite a few games against top eight teams, actually. Um, so I'm not entirely convinced about Port. Um, I think Geelong are very irritated by Melbourne. Uh, you know, they lost to Melbourne three times last year. So I don't know if Geelong could well, actually. I, I have a feeling also that Geelong might be, I, I know you're going to hate hearing this, Craig. No, I've, I've heard it. I've said it. I have a feeling. <laughs> half, you know, there's quite a fair bit of their list that would be close to retirement. And uh -huh. um, I I just don't know whether or not they've done enough to um, nurture young kids coming through. Yeah. And in fact, some of that they have had have felt as though they couldn't really progress and have gone off to other clubs. Yep. yep. They, weren't, they didn't feel as though they were getting the opportunities because of, you know, the attitude there was just like, you know, you've got the players like Selwood and mm -hmm. Dangerfield and you've got to do a lot to overcome them. Well, you know, they've got to so got to. Right. You bite the bullet and realize, hang on a second, some of these guys are probably going to, at the end of the no. like Melbourne with Nathan Jones, which, sad, yeah. which was very, very sad, but had to happen. Um, yeah, because he, he left before the season was up. I forgot about that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, he, he probably would have stayed on in Perth if his wife wasn't about to have the have a baby. Yeah. Or, yeah. yeah the, the babies. Yeah. yeah. Between. So that uh, is... they were born the day after the prelim. Yeah. That's I mean, so, that was a, that was a huge decision he had to make, and, was, and, and, and I and it was his decision. And yeah. uh, a lot of people saying Melbourne should have given him a go and put him on the supplementary list, but people forget it was actually Nathan Jones that made that decision. Yeah, as well. yeah, and and I think in the great grand scheme of things, right for his family. Oh yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So, um, you know, you you look at. Uh, as you mentioned, the Bulldogs, and, and you said Port Adelaide, probably not, you know, Brisbane, maybe. Yeah. Brisbane, yeah, I mean, yeah, they're not a bad team. Um, but again, Melbourne beat them twice during the Right, year. right. Well, you mentioned that they beat Geelong twice. I mean, one of them was very close. And one of the other, one of them was very close. And the other one, they just obliterated him. Let's just be honest, okay? They kicked yeah, the, well, do they kicked the dog snot out of us. That round four as well that Melbourne beat yeah. Geelong by like 40 points. Yeah. Um, that was at the MCG. I was at that game, got very, very wet and cold. <laughs> <laughs> I remember that game. Um, 
Um, yeah, yes. Yeah. So, uh, it's interesting that you mentioned the round 23 match where uh, Melbourne were, you know, and they were, they were being absolutely obliterated in the first half of that game by Geelong. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, about, you know, 10 minutes into the second quarter, Melbourne just turned it on. Yeah. And came back into that game and... Flipped a switch. Um, yeah. I had about 10 minutes of ugly crying after that game. I could not believe that happened. Yeah. Goal after from Max Gorn after the siren. That was just one of the most incredible things I've ever seen. Well, and I and I remember that one um, because I was I remember having that on. I was watching it in my classroom at school, and the school day started before the game was done. So I had I had unplugged the I had the connection from the computer hooked up to the television. So I was watching it on the television. But as the, the morning routine is getting started and the, you know, the announcements are going on, that sort of thing, Melbourne's kicking the, the game-winning goal. And, and I have the volume turned down on the, on the computer, so I'm not hearing it. I'm seeing it. And I'm wanting to say things that I can't say at school after I watch it happen. <laughs> we were in lockdown. And so yeah. we were, it's, uh, there's a group of us in Melbourne supporters that were watching it via Zoom. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that was the only way we could be connected because we were on, we were under curfew and we were yeah. under lockdown. Yeah, I live on my own, and I didn't really want to watch the game on my own. Um, so there's a few of us that were in Demon Army, um, and we coordinated, and there was about oh, maybe seven or eight of us together watching it on Zoom. And I will never forget that night. I can still, oh my god, I'm getting flashbacks remembering it. Um, that. I let out, I mean, there was that dodgy, dodgy, dodgy decision when Angus Brayshaw was kicking it to the, kicked it to the boundary line and it went out of bounds. And then the umpire, this is like seconds left in the game Mm -hmm. or maybe a minute left in the game. And the umpire said it was, um, um, you know, gave, you know, paid it deliberate out of bounds. I was full on screaming abuse at the television (laughs) zoom and um this is like you know is because i thought melbourne you know melbourne's lost their chance now of winning this game and um but then the kick in went out of bounds and then it was a 50 meter penalty because i can't remember the jolong player's name and knocked it into the stadium which was empty because there were no fans in it right and um and i couldn't it was just the most extraordinary finish and then it was far too far for jake lever to kick it but when Max Gorn kicked it, and I think we we're all having flashbacks of 2018 at that moment, <laughs> when Max Gorn um, had that kick after the, you know, did you see that the, the round one 2018, Melbourne and Geelong? And uh, I'm sure I watched it. I yeah, Melbourne were you know less than a goal down. Yeah. Max Gorn had marked it in front of goals, and it went off the side of his boot and. And went through for behind and Melbourne lost it and the siren went. Yeah. And we're all having flashbacks of that. So hoping that it doesn't happen of, again. Yep. So there was a lot of pressure on Max Gorn to kick that goal because it meant that Melbourne would have finished minor premiers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And whoever I, and won, I whoever won that game would have been minor premiers. Right, right. And I'll tell you, I'm I might have been more impressed with him last year than anybody else in on any club. Because watching Melbourne play, and I, and I've joked with this about people that I, I was convinced that that there's more than one Max gone on the ground. 
Yeah, it seems to be everywhere. Because he's everywhere. I mean, it doesn't it's matter. One of those athletic rucks that I yeah. remember. Yeah, I mean, and I, I and, and you know what? This is a scary thing. I think Luke Jackson is going to be a better player than Max Gorn. Yeah, and you you hope he stays in Victoria and doesn't want to head back west. I th- yeah, um, his parents were talking after the grand final about moving to Melbourne so they could actually support Luke. Good for them. Melbourne. Although I mean, good so, good for you, good for them. <laughs> I think yeah, because I think what happened there was that um, because of the hub in Melbourne and uh, in Perth, mm-hmm. and they were in they were in Perth for a good month before the right, grand right. final. Um, and so I think his family, and I think also the same with Trent Rivers' family, because um, Jackson and Rivers were close friends from junior footy days. Mm-hmm. Um, they saw the ins and outs of how their boys were being treated by the football club and things like that. And and um, and his father actually said in an interview, we've told Luke, you know, you're at a good club. They're looking after you. You've got to stay yeah. there. So I That's think good. he will. That's good. There. I think he seems extremely happy at Melbourne. Well, and, 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 and it helps, you know, it helps winning a premiership that first year in terms of incentivizing you wanting to maybe stay put, you know, and realizing, and I, and I, I, you know, when they, when they talk about, you know, you know, a, a club's championship window being open in terms of, you know, how successful they could be in the near future, I'll be honest with you. I, I think that the the repair company came in and just removed the entire window from the house. I mean, it's not it's not that it's open. They just took the window out. It's just it's just like there's just wind blowing back and forth through there. There's not a window to close right now. I don't think anyway. That's a big statement. Yeah, I mean, um, I, I do think that I, I, from what I understand, I think Luke Jackson is in uh, contract negotiations at the moment with the club. Okay. So because his contract at the moment, as it stands, is. Uh, so it runs out at the end of the year, but I think that he's in negotiations now to renew it now. Okay. So, you know, it's potentially the D's have the, you know, the list, the, now the track record to be very successful this year. Yep. But, I would agree. but uh, if, if the wheels fall off, what, what indicators will be out there for you where you're going to go, Oh no, this isn't quite going the way we had hoped. It would be about confidence more than anything. Um, because I think what stopped Melbourne in 2020 was the confidence, that sense of self-belief. Okay. So if anything was to happen, like in the times that Melbourne lost during 2020, you could tell that their confidence was down. They weren't communicating with each other as well as they had been. The big key, I mean, you, you have a look about it, the list in 2020 is essentially the same list as in 2021. There's not too mm-hmm. many differences. Um, and certainly not much difference going into 2022, you know, having uh, added just a... Uh, well, we haven't really lost any... Uh, we, we, we lost Nathan Jones. We've lost Neville Jetta. Neither of who... I mean, I would, they probably played a handful of games. I think um, um, Jones played about six games, yeah, uh, including his 300th. Um, um, who else? Uh, Vandenberg played a couple of games. He, the poor guy, we, we all felt really, really felt for him. The last few years for him has just been hampered by injury, which he never really overcame. Um, who else has left? Marty Hoare, he didn't play any games. He's been injury ridden the last couple of years. Now, is he is he related to Kate Hoare that plays on the, the women's I, club? No, okay. No relation. Um, 
Um, in fact, they picked up Marty Hoare from Collingwood's VFLW list. And I think he's from Northwestern Victoria somewhere, I think. He's from the country somewhere. Okay. Um, Kate Hoare, I'm not actually sure where she's from, but no, I think it's just coincidence that they're okay. the same sort of thing. Um, there are some related players there. I mean, um, Crystal Petrovsky is first cousin with Toby Bedford. Okay. And they're both in the same um, area of Western Australia, Bunbury, I think they're from. Um, but, yeah, uh, they haven't, yeah, you're right, yeah, they haven't lost too much in a way personnel. Um, uh, Austin Nishki they lost, but he never really, uh, he had three ACLs, a poor kid, after yeah. he was drafted. Um, <laughs> and, and, you know, the the only other, um, you know, they only brought in one yeah, player well, off of somebody well, else's Luke list, Luke Dunstan, Dunstan. Um, yeah. Who started to really pick up his um, stride a bit for St Kilda at the end of 2021. And I think a few pets and Kilda people were a bit surprised that he left. But, um, I mean, he, he left St Kilda to seek some, you know, opportunities then. I don't think he felt like he was being valued at St Kilda. Mm-hmm. I hope he feels as though he will be at Melbourne, although I'm he wants to have an on-baller type role, but I don't know where you can fit him in at the moment. But he actually does offer some depth with that, some further depth, some experienced depth in that midfield. Which is a good thing to have. We've got a lot of kids that um, still have to debut. Like, I mean, of the 2020 draftees, only one of them's played some games, which is Jake Bowie. We're still waiting for Bailey Laurie to play his first game. We're still waiting for Fraser Osman. And and then, of course, we we picked up some great talent last year as well. So um, how soon that they get into the side? I mean, I think Melbourne were very, very... um, I wouldn't say lucky, but they, they've been they've managed their young list extremely well in that mm-hmm. all three of the draftees in 2019 all debuted in 2020, which was Cosie Pickett, Luke Jackson, and uh, Trent Rivers. Yeah, because last year winning the uh, and they've all they've all played about 30 games each. Yeah, they've got they've got nine they've got nine players on the list right now that have not played a game yet. That's right, and and, 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 and mostly kids. Yeah, um, they, they, and they, they got a lot. They got. They they got about what three players last year in the in the um, uh, in the draft, and then they got had, picked up a couple as well in the um, rookie draft. Um, you know, it's it's and you know you look yeah. at you look at the list. I mean, and it's it's there's nobody there's nobody that's played more than two hundred games in no, in right. the comp. I mean, it's 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 uh. There's a couple that's going to be reaching their 200th right, game. Right, right. Uh, Tom McDonald's due to in a few weeks. And so is uh, Jake Milksham. So uh, Jake Milksham. Yeah. Uh, if if Milksham can get a game at the moment because he didn't play too many last year, he yeah, might I mean, be he might be he might be retiring this year. I'm wondering because he's yeah, already 32, I think. Uh, he'll, he's he, he'll be 30. He'll be 31 before the season's over. Yeah. Yeah, right. So, yeah. He's, I, I, so he's a little bit younger. But he didn't get to – he I think he only got to play a couple of games last year, whereas in 2018 and 2019, he was regularly in the side. Jake Milksham. Um, I like Milksham. He's a good, honest footballer. Yeah, um, I mean, it, it's it's just, you know, it, and, and quite frankly, you know, you, you got, you know, you know, Magic Daw is is 30, but, you know, he's, you know. I don't know if Majak Daw – I'd love to see you know, Majak Daw play for Melbourne, but I don't know if he will. Yeah. Um, he seems to be doing extremely well in the VFL team. Mm-hmm. I would love to see Majakdal 
people on the Melbourne Jumper, though. I would really love to see him. Yeah. I've finished reading his autobiography over the summer and uh, times of that just had me in tears. His story. I can imagine. I can imagine. Yeah. I'm, I'm such a huge rat for him. He's such a um, genuine, genuine person. And, you know, he's one of those people you can only ever, you know, have best wishes for. Cheer for. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm kind of that way. And again, I don't know everybody's story, uh, but I, I heard... Um, an interview, well, it's probably been two years ago now, uh, that Narely Meadows did on her podcast with Adam Trelore. Yeah. When he was still with the Magpies then. And just the, what he dealt with and not what he's had to overcome in his young life. And I, yeah, I'm I'm not a yeah, I'm not actually, a Bulldog supporter, but I'm I'm an Adam Trelore fan. Yeah, I am too, actually. Um and 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 I say that also because I teach at the school where he went to as well. Oh, so okay. There's a lot of love for Adam Trelaw at our school. Dandenong <laughs> um, um, High, yeah. Um, um, yeah, so th- there's a, there's some really interesting stories out there. Dandenong is one of the areas in Melbourne where this is where Adam Trelaw's from. Mm-hmm. That's one of the higher rates of um, poverty in Melbourne. It's a very, very, uh, there's a high percentage of um, um uh, people from non-English speaking backgrounds, refugee okay. backgrounds and things like that. And um, uh, a lot of people think that Dandenong is like the slum part of Melbourne and things like that. And there's a lot of jokes about the area, but um, I actually really love working there. So that's the and school you're at now, not the one you were previously at. Okay. Okay. That's I'm at now, yeah. And that's where Adam Chalor went to. Okay. Yeah. So I know the area quite well because that's where I work. So, you know, looking at, um, at this year, who are you the most excited about going into this year? As far as team or player? No, uh, in terms of the player on, you know, what, what player or players on the club are you most excited about seeing what they do this year? I'm really excited to see how far Luke Jackson can really go. Cause a lot of people have been talking about he's had an amazing preseason and he's mm-hmm. improved immensely even since the grand final. So I cannot wait to see how much further he goes. Um, I'd be, I, and I'm also really interested. I'm really excited to see if any of these young kids get a game, particularly um, like I mean, if Taj Woden is anything like his father, because Melbourne picked him up in the father-son rule. Mm-hmm. Um, I would. I'm just excited about the prospect of Woden. Um, I hope he gets a game. It'd be great if he does. Yeah. Uh, I'm I'm excited to see how far Jake um, Bowie can go as well. Again, I'm excited about the kids. Yeah. Well, well, here. Excited about the kids. You know, I'm I'm just going to take a second here as a as a cat supporter that is aware that our side is is, and I have a hard time as somebody who's in my late fifties saying that somebody who's 33 is is old. I that I that just blows my mind blows my mind even saying you know saying that, but. You know, knowing knowing that we're about to have some turnover. If your if your youngsters can't get a game with your with your relatively young side, maybe they can you know head down the M one in a couple of years and take a I couple think, spots. <laughs> Oops. I, what, I think um, Jason Taylor, who's the recruiting manager at Melbourne, um, I think he's done an amazing job because what he's done is that. Uh, I mean, the key to good recruitment is not so much recruiting for the now, but for the mm-hmm. future and future-proofing these young guys, particularly in roles like the Ruck, which takes mm-hmm. several years to, you know, develop a good Rucker, Ruck, yeah. uh, Ruck player. 
Uh, it takes several years to do that. I mean, Max Gorn, it, 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 it took him six years to finally get a game, for example. Um, <clears throat> Luke Jackson just came straight into that role and he's already right, a champion right. ruck. He's well, already, that, I mean, he showed it in the grand final. He he was, you know, you know, Stefan, he, he outrucked Stefan Martin, he outrucked Max Gorn even. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't realize it took Gorn six years to get it, to get in on, in on the side. Yeah. Wow. I think a lot of that was his own immaturity at the time as well. It took okay. him a while to get going. Okay. And uh, he has often said if he wasn't 208 centimetres, the club would have probably let him go ages ago. But um, but that was also at a time when Melbourne were not successful. They were losing games by well over 100 points and mm-hmm. things like that. And so um, I think uh, it took a while for him to really hit his stride and um and yeah get it together for himself so was, was it was it kind of the place. was it kind of a let's throw him out there and see what he can do because he's he's got this kind of size you know we can't teach size you know we can teach the skills i think it was more out of necessity because okay. they needed yeah i okay. think it was more out of necessity they needed to have that uh, that rock type role because mark jamar he was a good rock um but he was getting close to retirement age too. And so, yeah. So, yeah. Stephen Martin was probably at Melbourne at that time too, when he was, he was, uh, when he was at Melbourne before he went to Brisbane and now at Bulldogs. So, you know, your, your, your side is one where, as you, as you were mentioning, it's, it's going to be tough for, you know, young kids and even some veterans to get a game because of this, club being as deep as they are do you, th- yeah, do you think they're going to find w- themselves in positions where they may actually rest some kids here rest some people here and there to get somebody some games i think they're probably i mean that i, I think melbourne are one of those kind of clubs to if if someone is showing form in mm-hmm. um you know in the vfl team or um in um at training that melbourne will actually give them a go you, you know you've, you've deserved that spot in the side this week and that's what happened with jake bowie although he kind of came in when um, Joel Smith got injured. Um, but he did enough in those matches to hang on to a spot when even when Smith um, got fit again. And unfortunate, that was unfortunate for Smith because then he missed out on right. being in the grand final. Because, you know, why would you drop someone who's performing well in the side? Um, you know, in that case, and I think that's what happened with Brown, uh, with um, Jones as well. But um yeah, I think that if you're showing formers, you're showing promise and you're showing the hard work, mm-hmm. I think, you know, the club will give you a go. That's my impression anyway, because there were a lot of, um, you know, that's how, you know, Cosie Pickett and um, got into the game and, you know, and, and, you know, those three, you know, those, non, those 2019 draftees debuted in 2020 is because they did all that work in the preseason and, um, and showed, their, showed their worth. Okay, I think if okay. you show your worth at Melbourne, you'll you'll get a go. That's certainly fair. That's, that's certainly fair enough. With um, the, the with the women's team as well, they seem to have that same philosophy with the women as well. Well, that may just be kind of a, a top down thing for the you know for the whole for the whole organization. To 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 yeah, kind it of... doesn't seem like there's like some clubs have got a distinct hierarchy with the experienced mm-hmm. players and then the kids and things like that, but it doesn't seem as prevalent at Melbourne having that hierarchy it says to be more of a united from which can only which can only bode well for them going forward 
it just seems to me that that's the culture at the club and um you know, it seems like a very, very positive culture, which I hadn't seen, but, you know, for a long, long time at Melbourne. I don't think I'd ever seen that. I, I, I don't think I've seen such a unified front at the club, you know, and I've been a member, as you mentioned earlier, I've been a member for a long, long time at the club. So, and I, and I do not remember such a unified, and it's so, you know, very open with it too. They're mm-hmm. very open about that culture. So, Early prediction here: Who's take? Who's going to be the club's best and fairest? I'd say again, it's probably going to be out of um, Petrarca or, or Clary. Okay. Okay. Um, and, and I wouldn't be shocked if it's either one of them. Yeah, that's uh, yeah. makes sense. Uh, I think Petrarca has still got. He's already shown so much, but I think he's only. He's he's only just warming up, I think. Well, <laughs> I think um, that doesn't bode know, well for everyone else. But, I, I think last year was really his um, salad days in some ways. The start of his salad days is really starting to develop now. Okay, he's so up. and they're so young still, as you were saying. He's oh only yeah, six. Yeah, I mean it's it's a it's a it's a side that has a lot of potential to be successful for for several more years. Yeah, it, I, I read someone. I had an opposing um, fan. I think it was a Bulldogs fan saying, "Melbourne's days are numbered. There's not much depth there." And I'm like, "Really? I don't know if you really see Melbourne's list then, because there's a heap of depth there." I mean, yeah, you know, and and the Bulldogs they struggled. Yeah, you know, once Josh Bruce went down last year, they had a they had a tough time scoring goals mm-hmm. after he That's after he point. hurt his knee. But then so, again, though, during the finals, they really lifted up. Right, and that's right. Did get, and I, and I, uh, you know, up until that halfway through the like, third quarter in the final, mm-hmm. in the grand final, I thought Melbourne were gone because I thought, oh, here we go, Mel- Bulldogs are going to do to Melbourne what yeah. they did during the season. And um, I don't think that um, anyone was expecting Melbourne to outscore Geelong, um, Footscray from, oh, I'll call them Footscray, Bulldogs That's- from that point on where they kicked, uh, well, from the eight minute mark of that third quarter to the yeah. end. Melbourne kicked up a hundred points or something. Right. To their seven. When you look in those terms, that's extraordinary. Oh, it's yeah. So, and you you mentioned something there, and I want to go back to that. Uh, and and it's not it's not a decision that you and I are going to make, but the organization would have to make it. But do you think that the that the Bulldogs should go back to Footscray instead of Western? In your opinion, I don't understand why they changed it to Foots to from Bulldog from Footscray because that's our identity. Okay. Um. And if I, I think for, you know, if you want to, you know, market the game overseas or whatever, and you're calling the club that's from the western suburbs of Melbourne, which is on the east, the Western Bulldogs, it gives yeah. people a lot of uh, false impressions about where they're at because I've heard a lot of people say, so Western Bulldogs, that must be in Western Australia as well. No, they're not. They're in yeah. the they're western suburbs of Melbourne. Uh, I think, no, they changed it initially, I think, um, I think it was in the 90s that they changed it to Western Bulldogs. Um, as a marketing thing to encompass because there's not too many teams. Most of the clubs in Melbourne are in the eastern suburbs okay. or the northern suburbs. Mm-hmm. There's not too many. Oh, there's, in fact, that's the only one that's out in the way. Are you, oh, Essendon's sort of northwest, um, but it still is a northern suburb. Um, so I think they were trying to encapsulate okay. for yeah. marketing terms those western suburbs people in Melbourne. <sighs> 
Yeah, and I, I needed to do that because I think a lot of those people were going for Footscray anyway. I still call them Footscray. To me, they're always going to be Footscray. But then again, I'm a bit of a traditionalist. Well, I you, you, you've the been a supporter for 37 <laughs> years. I mean, it's, uh, you know, it's... Uh, and, and I, still follow- mo- I, I still mourn the loss of Fitzroy too. So. Yeah, well, that's, yeah. I uh, And I wonder in terms of a marketing standpoint, you know, if they went back to it right now, just think about all the, all the, the gear they would sell, all the hats and oh, shirts I mean, and everything stuff. right now, people be buying their, their Footscray stuff. How, how big is retro kind of stuff? The AFL in their marketing, in their merchandise department in the last few years have been um, remarketing some of the old VFL merchandise mm-hmm. look and emblems and things. And they've been selling like hotcakes. They've been incredibly popular. How awesome would it be? I think it would be a, a marketing genius for them if they reverted back to Footscray. I've always been a fan of uh, of the Bulldogs. I always have. I, they've always been, I've always regarded them as one of the, you know, the, the clubs I've had a lot of respect for. And in fact, I remember way back in about 89, I was about 18 when um, it looked like that um, Footscray was going to be folding if they didn't merge with mm-hmm. Fitzroy at the time. Right, and right. Like that. And it said, you have to merge, we're going to withdraw this funny, you have to fold anyway. And so they did this massive um, fundraising push in mm-hmm. order to save the club. And I actually did send them a donation. That's cool. As Melbourne supporter. And I think a lot of people did as well. And I was an 18-year-old kid. I just started out working. I sent them a week's worth of wages, which was wow. about $200, which was a lot of money in those days for an 18-year-old yeah. kid. You know. Yeah. Um, so you know, so because, did, did because you... Because I couldn't bear thought of losing any Victorian clubs. Now, your your dad was a your dad was a D supporter. Yes, and and I'm gonna I'm gonna go I'm gonna speculate here. Your dad probably found out about you making that donation. Yeah, I told him. Okay, and I would love to know what his reaction to that was. I think he probably felt similarly to me. Okay, wow. Okay, I was because thinking it'd be one of two things. It was either he was gonna go, okay, I get it, or what? Are you out of your mind? That's that's a whole week's worth of words you dad, just gave away. Dad, dad was very much. He he also had this. There were clubs that you, you know, if you, if there were clubs that if you didn't support them, you either really, you know, had a lot of respect for them or you really hated them. Mm-hmm. We had a lot of respect for Footscray. My best yeah. friend, at my, uh, my best friend's school at the time, was, uh, her family barracks for Footscray. Okay. And I used to love going out to uh, Western Oval and watching some of the Melbourne and Footscray games in those days because they were a lot of fun. I do miss those old suburban footy ground days. <laughs> and um, no, I, I do. I, I, I actually, I've got a friend of mine who I went to high school with who's um, works at the Held Sun, which is one of the, you know, the daily newspapers mm-hmm. out here. And um, and she actually messaged me uh, the week, grand final week, and saying, do you, do you have any story? Because she knows I go from Melbourne. She, she actually barracks for the Swans. Um, and she actually messaged me saying, can you tell me any rivalry stories between fans at the moment where, you know, there's rivalry going on between Melbourne uh, supporters and uh, bulldog supporters and I'm like well not really because I think you know that we're just genuinely happy for each other that they're in the grand final yeah I think she was trying to trying to find a story I think where there was like fans at each other's necks or anything and it's just like Melbourne and bulldogs have never had that kind of relationship though um you know because we've always had a respect for each other because we're both foundation clubs of the women's league mm-hmm. for example we've mm-hmm. never had a situation where we've had a rivalry with each other, or might be one at the moment, but it's still is a friendly rivalry. It's not like Carlton and Collingwood where there's and against each other. Yeah. 
Um, I think, you know, there's there's respect between the supporters of those two clubs. Okay. So Even though, like, one seen as upper class and the other is seen as the working class club, you know, but <laughs> it's, you know. And, and the, the Bulldogs feel... are considered the working class club, correct? That's right, yeah. Okay. Melbourne is seen as a okay. club of privilege. Yeah. I don't know how, how accurate it is nowadays because <laughs> initially in those, in the early days, yeah, it would have been, but... And I think there are elements of the supporter base that is that privilege base, but I think you know, with a lot of us, not really. And maybe that was one of the one of the contributing factors as to why they went away from Footscray. Do you think possibly? No, I think it was just trying to encompass the West. Okay. Because the West suburbs of Melbourne as a whole are seen as a working class area of Melbourne. Okay. okay. Yeah. So it's, it's more the industrial side of Melbourne. It's not. It's not as. It's not as. Um, highly populated as the eastern suburbs are okay so if you have a look at the map of melbourne the western suburbs are a lot shallower than the east the east goes out for about 30 or 40 kilometers mm-hmm. the west doesn't go out as far okay so if we look at the uh at 2022 and i'm going to ask you to get your crystal ball out here and who are your top four and who do you see jumping into the eight or falling out of the eight this year that either was there last year or wasn't there last year yeah okay my top four I don't know if the top four is going to be too different to the top four for this year I do think it'll be um Melbourne and Bulldogs I think will be one and two again in whichever order I really don't know um if anyone does, although Bulldogs weren't in, didn't finish in the top four this year, did that last year? Did they? Yeah, they fell um, out there that last they round. They finished fifth. Yeah, um, I think they could come into the top four. And I know you're going to hate hearing it, but I think the July. I've heard it before. <laughs> I do think Geelong could be one to drop out of the four. I think Sydney could be knocking on the top, knocking to the door of the top four. I don't know though. As for who do I think, oh, I, 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 I'll go through the top four. I think Melbourne Bulldogs, um, Brisbane and Port Okay. would be the top four. And I think the rest of the top eight could be Geelong, Sydney. I have a feeling Richmond will be back, back up there. I was thinking that same thing. If, they, if and, they're health, they're healthy. Yeah, and I would like to see Fremantle up there. To be honest, I tipped them eight. La- I tipped them eight last year, and they yeah. disappointed me. And of course, this year in the women's comp, right before I did so my, close. they came so close to yeah. making the eight last year. Yeah. Um, right before I did my preview for the for the women's comp this year. I had the I had the Bulldogs finishing seventh and Fremantle fifth, and I flip flopped them and put Fremantle seventh, and I think they took it personally. Yeah, uh, <laughs> and I think ones that could potentially make the eight, which I didn't name, then could be Essendon. I think they've still got a bit to prove. Yeah, well, they got in there last year. But yeah. I actually think that they did better than I was expecting them to do last year. Um, I thought that they were going to be. I thought they were going to have a potentially be bottom four last year but um they certainly showed me wrong <laughs> um i think carlton will just missed out i'm okay with that now <laughs> as we talked about off air <laughs> yeah. 
I think the bottom four, I don't think there'll be any question that the bottom four will be much the same as last year, which would be North Melbourne, Hawthorne, Collingwood and Adelaide. Okay. Although Adelaide might improve a bit. And I think our Gold Coast Suns, I think, will be down there, yeah, potentially be bottom four as well. Yeah, I think having lost King, that's not that does, does not bode well for them yeah, this year. And I don't think that um, Raoul has really, um, he's just had so many, the poor blokes had so many injury mm-hmm. worries. Yep. Uh, and he hasn't panned out as well. Like if he had a stayed fit, um, he could have made a lot of difference at Gold Coast. Mac Andrew is a real potentially great acquisition for Gold Coast Suns. Um, he was a Melbourne Academy player, and I was still disappointed that the rules changed that Melbourne couldn't get him. Because <laughs> no. Melbourne, he was one. He was one of Melbourne's inaugural Academy players, and um, okay. They weren't allowed to draft him, which was a real shame. No, that is too, yeah, it's too bad. So let me ask you one last question before we jump into the trivia stuff here. Sure. Um, the season has come to an end. What is the, what is the headline of the Herald Sun at season's end as far as the D's are concerned? No, in the back-to-back um minor premieres <laughs> i don't know um oh so only minor premieres i, I, I should oh, i should no, have said, should have said at the grand no, finals no, everything's oh, all done no, are you talking about the um you know, the whole, the, oh, okay I, the I, whole I thing i'm sorry i didn't clarify <laughs> that so yeah, sorry about that fo- okay. footy um, footy's done and you know the the dark ages begin till footy comes back again the dream is realized dream is real okay well no the full dream is the realized. full dream is realized okay that's because, good because last was only half the dream yeah, because you're hoping to have to actually play the the grand final at the MCG. Yes, that's yes. what I mean. Because it, yep. we went there, we weren't a part of it. Yep. Um, that to me, because only half the dream was realised last year, and I think that that's motivating the club more than anything is being able to win it in front of the support base. That makes sense. And makes... because the MCG is our home ground, it's been our home ground mm-hmm. since 1858. No other club can claim such a long attachment to a ground. Even Mind Richmond. you, no, no other club is as old as 1858. Right, right, right. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yes, that's why. Yeah, I, I, I think I know why I've not been able to, to attract any Richmond supporters to come on and talk about their club this year. Because every time I get the chance to, I always joke about them having to make that dangerous trip to Marvel Stadium to go play a game. Um, you know, that was it, such an arrogant thing. From yeah. <laughs> I was actually talking to a friend of my dad's last night at the Bowls Club. And, and like... A, Pat and Gavin known my parents for 50 odd years and they're probably one of the biggest Richmond supporters I've met. Mm-hmm. And, and he and Gav was couldn't quite believe it when I said to him, I reckon, you know, Richmond will be back in the eight next uh, this year. He didn't he he hasn't got that faith in Richmond, but I certainly do think that they'll be up there. And um, and we were talking about and I asked him, and so what do you think happened there? And he was actually quite critical in some of in, in some of Hardwick's attitude during the year and uh he said there's a sense of arrogance that has crept in there and he said it's not washing he, he gave said to me it's not washing well with him that that arrogance is set in and, and that was an example of that yeah. it was absolutely pure arrogance that he said that and i think he did turn a lot of well I, football people offside by saying that that was a really silly thing to say i was just amazed because if I remember Sorry. correctly, if I remember correctly, when they played the, the game that 
that this occurred with was when they played GWS there. And yeah. there were, I think they, I think that the, the uh, crowd was only around 18,000 people. Yeah. It was, it was. A, I mean, we did have restrictions. I think there was only about 50% capacity allowed in the grounds at the time. Yeah, but that was, but that, that was still would have been 30,000. Yeah, about 25,000. I think yeah. it's a 50,000-seat stadium. Okay. Yeah. It's, it's just, I, I'm, I, I just, if, if I was a Richmond supporter and, I, and I'd been in a situation where I'd been locked down, I would have crawled over broken glass to go I, watch my club play somewhere. I went to every game I could possibly go to um, last year. And that's why it really, really hurt that we couldn't go to the finals because mm-hmm. I haven't been to a men's football match since 3rd of July was the last time that was Melbourne. Uh, that was the last time Melbourne played at the MCG in front of a crowd. Okay. Because um, they played a few interstate games after that. They, the following week after that, they played in Port Adelaide, I think. They played Port Adelaide at Adelaide Oval. And I know a few Demon Army people went to that. I couldn't go because I, um, and I'm glad I did it in hindsight. Um, I was away in Bendigo with my mum and my mum passed away then in August. So, um, um, so in hindsight, I, I'm glad I did spend that time with, in Bendigo with my mum. And my sister and my brother-in-law was there too as well that weekend. It was t- during the school holidays. Um, what was I about to say? Um, yeah, so I haven't been to a game. So that's why mm-hmm. it was really kind of heartbreaking that Melbourne, you know, because there was a talk whether or not, you know, the MCG could still be played at the MC, yeah, the grand final could still be played at the MCG and if triple, if double vax people could go. And I'm like, well, I'm double vax, that means I could go. Yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> I'm triple vax now. But uh, and I think it's really exciting. The news came through a few days ago that there are no crowd restrictions this year in, in Victoria for football. Mm-hmm. So, and That's we have news. not seen that, we have not seen that since 2019. Yeah. Um, so, uh, that's really what I'm looking forward to is being able to um, not have to, even as a member, not mm-hmm. have to repurchase our tickets. We can just rock up, scan our membership in and walk straight in. And that, I'm that's fantastic. For that. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm thrilled for, for everybody that's going to be able to enjoy that. And yeah, be able to I, do that regardless, really yeah, regardless that. of who they who they support. I mean, that's great to be able to get back out there. My flight and accommodation to go up to the Gold Coast round two. Good for you. Good for you. I uh, cannot wait to. I've, I've never gone up to Queensland for for a footy match. Last year, mm-hmm. as I went to Adelaide, it was the first time I travelled interstate for a footy game. Um, so, I'm I'm, I'm going to make the most of it this year. I want to go to Perth this year. I don't so, think we'll be able. Yeah, I won't so be when you go to Gold Coast, will you will you be there with the cheer squad then? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That... Okay, well I will definitely. Yeah. I well, I'm sure I'm sure I watch the game because I watch all of them, so I'll definitely have to be looking for you there. Yeah, I was I was I was on flogger duty at the Adelaide Melbourne Adelaide game, the, the game that Melbourne lost by a point. Okay, you're good. <laughs> yeah, the, 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 the big palm. The big yeah, palm thing. Okay. Fence. Yeah. The, okay. I guess you'd be flogging somebody with that. That makes sense. Okay. So <laughs> I have a few, I have a few trivia questions here for, you You know, I had, I had to go, you know, I, I asked many questions yesterday of uh, Chris Peppers from the Lace Out podcast. Uh, when I spoke to him, he's a D supporter as well, but I, I put together a handful of other ones and I may pull, I may dive into a couple of the ones that I asked him as well, because uh, why not? So the first one I have for you, are you ready? Yep. Okay. Which current D's player has played the most 
games in the blue and red? Um, it's probably Tom McDonald, is it? It is. 193 games. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Because Jake Melksham's up there too, but he played a lot of his career at Essendon. Mm-hmm. I checked that today before I wrote that question yeah. down because I didn't want to get caught on that. Yep. Okay. Now this, I, like I said, I had to, I had to go for some, some interesting stats here. Which player had the most bounces for the D's in 2021? Oh, bounces. <laughs> he had 22 of them. It's not Clayton Oliver, is it? Mm-mm. Ed Langdon, who's a runner. Jaden Hunt. Jaden Hunt, you're joking. Jaden Hunt had 22. And he yep. didn't even play full season. Yeah, he had 22 total. Yep. Well, he's like Ed Langdon. He's he's only he runs a lot. Now this is this is a. Uh, I think you're going to get this one. Who had the highest average for meters gained per game for the club in 2021? Meters, oh, probably Ed Langdon. Or Jaden Hunt. <laughs> or meters gained. Oh, you mean as far as Advancing the ball forward, mm-hmm. the amount yep. of running. Yeah. Oh, okay. Clayton Oliver. It's Petraka. Petraka. Yep. Okay. Yeah. Oliver was second. Yep. Yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Now this is this. I is thought a, you meant running first. That's why yeah, I said I, Ed and Jaden Hunt first. Now, this is this is a. I don't know if you're going to get this question because this is really tough. Okay. Because this is something I've been joking about since I've been watching the game here. Okay. Um, how many total countries? did Ben Brown run through during all of his run-ups for the 38 goals oh and behinds God. that he kicked this year? How many countries oh did he God, run I through? I know the I know the <laughs> seven? Sure, that's a good number. Let's go with seven. I wrote down 147. I, I wrote down he went through most of the UN because he every time every time he get, lines up for a kick, I run out to my front porch to wave to him because he runs by all the time, but he never waves back. <laughs> He's very focused. Um, so this is a bit of a downer question here, though. This is a which D's coach lost the most games during their senior coaching career? Oh, probably Dean Bailey. No, he probably he wasn't coached for that long. Um, neither was Mark Neal, really. Um, How far back are we talking? Um, uh, well, I've I I know who he is, um, and I've I've seen him on television a lot recently. You saw you saw him somewhere recently. If you were if you were somewhere, what Neil Danaher? Yes, it was. Yeah, one hundred and fourteen losses. Mm. Yep. So that would have been um, yeah, because there's a couple of seasons there he took over as coach. I think it was in 98. 98, they nearly made the grand final. 99 was a bit of a... <laughs> yeah, he, uh, you know, all all combined, he finished up with uh, 108... He's one of the standing coaches that Melbourne have had. Yeah, 108 wins, 114 losses, and one draw. Yeah, right. Yep. He's one of the, he's one of the few coaches that took Melbourne to a grand final, though. Mm-hmm. In 2000. 
Okay, now. Um, That's why I thought, yeah, I said Dean Bailey, and I thought, no, it can't be him because he was only a coach for a couple of years. <laughs> someone who, and, he, and the and years weren't that bad, right? Then I started to think, who was before Ron Barassi? Because during the 70s, there was a long... <laughs> Barassi left in 85, it says. He, he started um, in 81 to 85, so he was only coached for about four years, but he set things up for John Northey. John Northey. So John yeah. Northey could have been up there too. Yeah, he had 76, yep. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Neil Barn might have had a few. He had 98, yep. Yeah. 40, uh, no, I'm sorry. 41 wins, not 57 losses. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that yeah. That was 98 games took, total. Yeah, he took over from Northey in the early 90s, and then he and he was taken over by uh, – because Melbourne had a disastrous year in 97, and uh, and that's when Barn left, and um, uh, Danaher took over in 98. Okay, I've got – this one, this one, Chris did not get last night when I talked to him, but I'm going to go ahead and ask you this one. Who kicked three goals for the D's in the 1964 grand final against Collingwood? This is seven years before I was born. No. Um, but it was the last, it was the last premiership. So I thought maybe I'd take a shot with that one. I'd have to guess. Has the man? John Townsend. No, I wouldn't have gotten that. And this, I have a feeling that man was an on-ball or anyone, not a forward. No, this this one I like here. With the with the current list that the club has right now, with the, yeah. the, the, the players on the list, which development club, if you will, prior club, has the most players that have come from it? Probably Sandringham. You're right. With eight. Yeah. yeah. Eight of them from Sandringham. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Yeah, because that's where Rachel came from there. Uh, yeah, quite a few. Ed okay. Landon, I think was no, no, may not have come from Sandringham. I think he I think he did actually. I think he and Rachel played together at Sandringham. But there was also quite a few that came through Brighton Grammar that would have been in the Sandringham zone. So people like Salem and stuff like that would have Jaden Jaden Hunt was with that. Jaden Hunt, he was yep. also, he, he's one of the he's one of the Brighton Grammar boys. Same with um Jaden Hunt. Uh yeah, same with same with um Chris uh Christian Salem. Okay. Um because that, that's that sort of bayside area of Melbourne. Okay. Yeah. Now, last question I have for you before we wrap this up. Prior to the 2021 grand final season, prior to the the, the run in the grand final. When was the last Melbourne Finals victory? I think it was 2000 and... Uh, they made the final, they last made the finals in 2006, but did they win at that year? It's either 2006 or 2004. Oh, hang on, 2018. Yes, 2018, yes. 2018. <laughs> I'm thinking, wait yes. a minute, there's, there's a lot of years I need to go back and look I was at. There. <laughs> 2018, I forgot about 2018. Yeah, yeah. so 2018, uh, okay. that was against Hawthorne. I was at that yes, game. It was, yep. Beat them by 33 points. That's right. And the week before, they beat Geelong. And the it, is it, is. <laughs> it is what it is. It is what it is. Yep. Sorry, well, Chris. Hey, Katrina, no, it, it's, it's, it's okay. I mean, I, like I said, I, I, I don't have, you know, I, I adopted Geelong and, and a lot of Geelong supporters have adopted me and I'm, I'm grateful to that. I've met some, met some great people, uh, you know, talking with them through the club. I mean, I, I've, I've spoken with people I never thought I'd talk with, you know, having had the chance yeah. to talk with Kate Roffey, 
last, uh, I think it was Isn't last May. Amazing. Just Isn't a she wonderful amazing. lady. I mean, I, cool person. Because when I when I reached out to her, she you know she had just been named to that position, and yeah. I sent I sent a note to her on LinkedIn, and it was you know you only get like three hundred characters, and I, I introduced myself as best I could and explained who I was, and I said you know please consider this an open invitation that when the dust settles I would you know oh, I'd love to talk yeah well I'd love to have the chance to talk to you about you know what the role of a president is on a club because I really was not sure as somebody on the outside looking in and three days later i have an email from her you know asking well when do you want to sit down and talk you know it's uh i have I, in all the years i've been a member of melbourne i hadn't met apart from jim steins i hadn't actually met a president mm -hmm. of the club in my entire life jim stein was before kate roffey jim steins oh no i did meet um i did meet um um Oh, no, I can't, yeah, I can't remember who, yeah. Uh, but no, it was predominantly Jim Steins. But um, I'd met Kate Roffey three times since mm -hmm. she was named president. And um, first time was at the Women's Best and Fairest last year. And I, had, I, I and she um, she had a long chat with me in regards to membership and all that kind of stuff. And, um, and that, you know, she was quite open about questions that I asked her about the development of um, a um, training base and everything at Melbourne. And because uh, that's what one of her goals at the moment is developing that. That's why they're doing Gosh's Paddock and things like that. And then I met her at that uh, December the 5th day mm -hmm. at the London Tavern. She went along to that and she recognised me from meeting her at the Women's Best and Fairest, even though that was several months prior. Yeah. And then a few weeks after that, at the at the um, Melbourne Platinum, the Men's Best and Fairest. Okay. She recognised me again from that. So I've met her three times. And very each cool. Time. Yeah. yeah. I, and and I, I actually made the comment to her that a lot of members are very, very impressed by her accessibility and her very visual nature. She's mm -hmm. very visible as a... Um, as a as a club president, which no. um, I'm impressed of, with, I'm a, I'm very impressed with yeah, her. And, you know, she, and, yeah, you know, and it, apart from Jim Steins, again, we haven't had a lot of visible presence. We haven't mm -hmm. had, like you say, you know, Eddie McGuire for years was a very very visible president. Things like that, probably not necessarily in a good way, but um, <laughs> um, so I, I mentioned that to her. How impressed that you know, and how accessible she is as well. Right, and right. She came out with, well, I'm just like you. I'm a supporter of the club. Yeah, and that's what the role of the president is. The president is a member of the club, mm -hmm. who we as members elect into that role. Right, and, right. Yeah, because um, that's I, I, that's a big point of difference, I think, between the the um, football culture here to how it is in America, where it's mm -hmm. a lot you know, they're private run as private companies and things. Here, they are member organisations. Yes, and um, I mean, I just recently put in my ballot form in the mail to vote in Melbourne's. Um, um, you know, board of directors. Okay. Yeah. So we've got that right as members to have that say in how our club is run. Because that's, that's very cool. You know, they, they are member-driven clubs. That's the mm -hmm. way that their constitution is written. So, uh, and that also then gets down to, if you're a member of the club, you get admission to the games and things like mm -hmm. that. And um, I haven't actually looked into it, but I can't imagine that there'd be any other sporting association in the world that would have as high rates as club membership as what AFL have got. 
there's nothing like that. There's nothing like it here in the U.S. There's nothing like yeah. it here. Yeah, but I can't. I, I, but I don't know if I like. I mean, I know that you can get season tickets for a lot of like sporting things around the world. Mm-hmm. Are they considered members? Like they, like we are considered. No, members? they're just they're just are considered they season ticket number? holders. Yeah, and yeah, season ticket holders, but they're not considered members. No, they have no input in terms of who's running the organization or yeah. anything of that nature. Nothing and like would that. They uh-huh. be, would they be that? Would those season ticket um, members of uh, season ticket holders be at the same kind of number? Like, I mean, uh, Richmond for this year. Oh, actually, I think um, West Coast Eagles had the highest membership tw- mm-hmm. last year in twenty twenty with over a hundred thousand members. Would they would those would those clubs in NBA or in NFL NFA NFL sorry have season ticket holders that would reach that kind of number? Um, in some cases, you know, they you know some of the some of the teams might have you know forty or fifty sixty thousand, but then they'll always have some tickets that they they sell on like a per game basis to people. Yeah, right. But some some teams will have like like the. The Green Bay Packers, uh, which is probably the close because it's actually that club is actually owned by shareholders. It's basically it's like a publicly traded company. It's a stock. It, there's there's several people that don't stock. You know, there are people that don't stock in that team. Um, but, you know, getting on the waiting list to for season tickets can take decades Good Lord. to get on there. So you may you may never get them. You know, it's when somebody drops off that, you, so that those tickets become available. I'm sorry. So the, so the um, people who, you know, the number of season tickets are limited. I believe so. Yeah, I believe. I don't think they sell every seat as as a season ticket seat. Uh-uh. So I don't think, I mean, there's, I mean, I, I mean, being at Melbourne, there's different levels of membership. Mm-hmm. And I think some levels have got a waiting list, but anyone could have like a basic um, red and blue membership at Melbourne. Right, right. Um, there's not really a limit yeah. of, of how many how many memberships a club can sell. Yeah, because I have a friend that uh, is a bulldog supporter who has, conservatively, he has at least a dozen different bulldog memberships. Yeah, right. I mean, different... I've got about. Yeah, I've got. I, 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 yeah, right. Um, I mean, I'm AFLW member. That was mm-hmm. ninety nine dollars. I paid for that. I paid. 500 and i mean i'll, I'll get one of the premium memberships that right right isn't being red legs uh and that was about 570 i think but we get our own section of the mcg mm-hmm. their own room and everything and we're priority one when it comes to grand final tickets should melbourne make it unless they're playing in perth and then we don't get to go because we're in lockdown i cried when i gave my well i I believe I, I, you know what to a friend of mine in Perth and she went instead. <laughs> I'm gonna go ahead. I'm gonna go ahead and put this out here right now. And I've not mentioned this to anybody else, and it just popped into my head. But back in the 1970s, there was a very interesting film that was filmed in Australia. The club. No. Oh. Mad Max. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. If they locked down the border. If they lock down the border, you take that approach to get into West Australia to go watch the damn game in Perth. <laughs> I understand. Yeah, no, there were a couple of Melbourne support. There were a couple of Melbourne supporters who did, and yeah. they they actually spent Christmas in jail. No, um, there are some people who like uh, think, "Oh, yeah, good on you guys. You did well and everything." But as uh, I think a lot of Melbourne supporters were pretty angry that they 
thought Bob Bay could get away with it. And um, um, my personal view is they're wankers. <laughs> and you want to get, you know, that was a silly thing that they did. It really yeah. was. And they were silly, stupid enough to get caught. Oh. And there was arrogance. And it would, it, well, had they not gotten Absolute caught, arrogance. had they not gotten caught and come home after the game, would you have said, oh, that was brilliant? No. No? No. Because I understood why we couldn't go. I understood yeah. because of COVID things. I understood. Um, yes, Australia did take a lot of really strict measures in um, managing COVID. But when you look at the number of infections that we've had in Australia compared to a lot of other countries in the world, um, that's the reason why. And, you know, we, we, we don't like being in lockdown, but I understood why we were in lockdown. Mm -hmm. okay. And if it meant saving people's lives, then so be it. So, no, I don't respect their behaviour. That's my kind that's of view. That's, I mean, that's, that's of course, fair, I would have that's fair enough. Been, yeah, of course, I would have loved to go over there and be at the yeah. game, but... As a school teacher, and I'm seeing, you know, now I was seeing distress of some of our families when they went through with COVID and things like mm -hmm. that. Um, um, I've got a doc, I've got a cousin who's a doctor in New York, and he, he I've heard uh, from him some pretty harrowing stories about what he experiencing working in New York with COVID and everything. Um, and in fact, he actually had a paper published about discoveries that his team had made about um, linking COVID with strokes. Hmm. Um, and he, he was in the news here in Australia with that, with those, those findings and things. Okay. That's cool. Um, yeah. So same surname as me, look him up. <laughs> yeah. Send me, yeah. Send me that link. I'd love to read that. Will I'd love do. to check that Will out. Do. Cool. Well, I'll send it to you via Twitter. Yeah. I think I have, I think we have covered just about everything here. And we're about 20 minutes away from when we were scheduled to sit down and talk. No, that was actually we're, we're 40 minutes past that time. It would have already yeah, been started here. Yes. And I, and I think I have a note from the other person that we're going to reschedule. So that's a good Fair thing because I was supposed to talk with a Ruse supporter. And I got some great Ruse questions to ask also. So I'm looking forward to that. But my guest has been Katrina Oxley, a long, long time and I don't mean that in a bad way, uh, D supporter involved with many aspects of the club. Katrina. Thanks so very much for taking time out of your Sunday. Sunday afternoon. Sunday yeah. afternoon there. Yes, I'm having to keep track because I'm trying because we had, we didn't have school Friday or we don't have, also don't have it on Monday this week and we have a, oh, a nice. staff day on Tuesday. So I'm trying to figure out which day I'm on right here. So we're only three weeks into the new academic year here. So and it's good to be back in the classroom. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's so great to see the kids again and. Uh, after the last couple of years with so many lockdowns and things, it's just great to have them back in the classroom and back learning. And are the ki are the kids happy to be there? Oh yes, yes, they are. Yeah, I think a lot of the kids realize they might whinge about school, but mm -hmm. when it's taken away from them and they realize just what they're missing when they're not there, yes, they actually do appreciate school. Yeah. I think a bit more now, <laughs> which is I, th good. I think that's I think that's true because we were. We, you know, we, we shut down in March when COVID, you know, and our school year ends in early June, but we, we shut down we did online school from March, April, May, and finished out the school year. But once the net, once the 2020, 2021 school year started, we were in school all, mm. all year. We were in person 
the whole time. You know, yeah. the kids were in masks and that sort of thing, and yeah. it worked well, we out. Went into, we went into four month lockdown about August last year in 2020, mm-hmm. right up until about November. So we had two years of extended lockdown. Yeah. It, different stages of the year. I, I think it worked out well just in terms of the mental health for the kids to be able to just be in the same, even if they were kind of distanced from one another, to at least be in the same room with their peers. I think that went a long way towards their, for lack of better terminology, their sanity, if you will. Yeah. We're, I mean, we're still wearing masks. Yeah. In in the classroom. We're not out in the yard, but we are in the classrooms. Uh, I think there's a bond physical difference between our schools and American schools is that your schools are predominantly in one building and the kids don't really go out to a yard or anything at lunch or something is it no yeah well yeah because here they they would freeze eating lunch here yeah yeah yeah. (laughs) we've got a building here and a building here and a building here and they have to go outside okay yeah ours are yeah. Some some schools are that way, but where yeah. where I am here in Ohio, it, the building is pretty much all self contained. Yeah. yeah, and they spend recess and lunchtime outside. They don't okay. come inside for recess or lunch. Okay. Even well, see, that would be great. You know that that'd be great here in this in the spring and the fall if the kids could. You know, we we tried to set that up where the kids could go out and have you know have picnic tables or something and eat lunch outside. You know, yeah. just to get outside well, get some fresh air. In the yard, or you know, they're over in the basketball hoops or something like that. Actually, out getting physical, yeah, doing physical activity at yeah. our lunch yeah, yep. during our lunch times, which is really lovely to see. Yes, it it is, and I'm and I'm glad you're back. I'm glad the kids are are happy. I hope that continues for you. And a huge, huge thank you to Katrina Oxley for being so generous with her time. Don't forget again that you can reach me at a yank on the footy at gmail.com. Also over on Twitter at yank underscore on, and on Facebook and Instagram at a yank on the footy. If you haven't done so, again, I encourage you to sign up for the mailing list so you can get the podcast sent to you as soon as it comes out because it takes three or four hours before it will migrate over to Apple Podcasts or to Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts. So if you want it fresh out of the oven, that's the way to get it. And everyone, I want to thank you for listening. We're all fans of this great game. We've got the season starting in less than two weeks. You know, we've got our clubs that we love. We've got our clubs that we are not big fans of. And I'll tell you about mine here coming up uh, soon. I've already alluded to it in several episodes, but I'm sure I'm going to intro it a little bit when I uh, drop the preview episode for that club coming up here. And and I really don't hate them. It was just an opportunity that uh, was kind of missed out upon there. So not a huge issue. I do hope you'll consider sharing the podcast with your uh, your friends. Uh, if you've got a favorite episode that you want to share or you just want to send out a link, that would be a huge help. And again, thank, thank you so, so very much for your continued kind words, your support. I, I'm humbled by the responses that I've received from people. And, and it's, uh, it, it's, truly, it's truly a labor of love on my part here, and I, and I cannot thank you enough. And ladies and gentlemen, as always, may your dribble kick never hit the post, and I will catch you later. This has been episode 140 of A Yank on the Footy. Again, don't forget that you can reach me at yank underscore on Twitter or to yankonthefootygmail.com. 
and on Instagram and Facebook. Just search out A Yank on the Footy and head over and check out the website, ayankonthefooty.com. Thank you so very much for listening, and hopefully you'll share the episode with your friends and family. And until next time, ladies and gentlemen, goodbye.